0: Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you.
1: We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond.
0: All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 207, and it's titled, Without This, Your Relationship is Tired. Toxic. Okay, so we got a lot to cover in this show as we always do. We're going to be talking about, you know, 11 signs that your relationship is toxic. We're going to be talking about this one thing, <laughs> which we're not going to tell you about just yet. I'm going to tell you why it's important. We're going to tell you how to do it, how not to do it. There's There's a lot there. And, you know, you've probably heard of this thing before. I mean, nothing that we're doing is necessarily revolutionary we just created it look at this new wheel <laughs> we've never seen anything like a wheel in this world you know that's not necessarily the case but a lot of times people hear these things and they don't really they either don't really understand what it means or maybe they thought they knew how to do it but they never really learned the right way to do it so um even if you hear this word and go, oh, yeah, they're just talking about that. I would stay tuned because I can almost guarantee that you will learn something and see this from a different point of view.
1: Yes. And this show was inspired, as always, by our clients and not just by one, but many of them that we're working with are all struggling with it. This is why we're like, we need to do something because it's obviously something that many are having challenges with as a society. So before we dive into today's topic, let's give a big shout out to our sponsors, Power & Mastery. So if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in beds, then check out Power & Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men. Whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at PowerAndMastery.com. Make sure to go check it out after the show, PowerAndMastery.com. Link is in the description below.
0: Yes, make sure you learn how to use what you got the (laughs) best way that you possibly can.
1: So let's start at the beginning because we want to define what a toxic relationship looks like. We're not going to spend the entire show. It'd be way too depressing. But (laughs) (laughs) we narrowed it down to 11 signs that if you are experiencing some of that, your relationship might have some elements of toxicity to it. So number one, you feel that there is a lack of support.
0: Well, that's pretty obvious. I mean, (laughs) the reality is, okay, the number one person that should support you is yourself the number two person that should support you is your partner. If your partner is not supporting you, if your partner is not your biggest cheerleader, constantly uh, pushing you to be the best version of yourself that you can be and supporting you in being the best version that you can be, then it's probably not the healthiest relationship or possibly the right partner.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Number two, you have toxic communication. By toxic communication, what do we mean? We mean a communication that leads nowhere, where it ends up in usually blame, shame, criticism, and where you can't even talk about certain subjects because they're off the table, taboo, or like ticking time bombs, so we can't go there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and you know, if you've listened to our work, even for a little bit of time, you know how important proper communication is. I mean, it's absolutely essential to having a high-level functioning relationship. There's just no other way to say it. If you are not a good communicator, if you have not learned how to express your needs, your wants, your desires, and do so in a clear way, in an empathic way, in a compassionate way, then you've got a lot of work to do.
1: Yes. And don't beat yourself up. None of us really have learned it. We all had to go through the learning curve. And yeah, none of
0: us were born with it. None of us were. No, I, mean, I sure
1: wasn't. There were a lot of things I was doing. that was like, this is not supportive. This needs to change.
0: Yeah, you know, there might be a few enlightened beings that showed up on the planet and already knew how to do this. But for the rest of us, we had to go out and learn it. We had to take classes. We had to read books. We had to practice to get good at it.
1: Um, number three, you are experiencing controlling behavior. You are either doing the controlling behavior or you are on the receiving end of the controlling behavior.
0: You know, neither one of those is actually fun. No. The, the people in the controlling behavior always think that it's fun because they have no idea how much better their relationship would be if they stopped controlling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> number four, there is a lot of resentment in your relationship. That's hard, you know... Especially if you can't let it go, because, you know, sometimes you might have things that don't go your way. Not just sometimes, or there could be things, but you got to learn to let it go. And if you hold on to this, that's when it becomes poison.
0: Yeah, resentment is a big one, a very big one. You cannot let that stuff... You can't let those seeds of resentment get planted, because they will grow into something... That Hideous. you don't
1: want. <laughs> Number five, there's dishonesty in the relationship. Ooh. And that's a tricky one because where's the line? If it's a tr- semi-truth or a lie that I don't share, is it still a lie? If it's something I'm not, you know, that I'm hiding, but it could be okay, does it, is it considered dishonesty? Well, it's between you and your conscious. <laughs> really. you know like no but honestly I think like we nothing is black and white and it's more like if the behavior that you're doing how would you feel if somebody did that to you and how you know when you're doing something that's not fully in alignment with your value and your your heart and you got to just be honest with that
0: you know I would say I'm a big proponent of, you know, what some people term radical honesty in relationships. I think you need to be 100% honest about everything all the time. However, (laughs) there are some prerequisites for that to actually work. For instance, you can't be 100% honest with your partner if your partner is going to overreact and flip out when you tell them something that they don't really want to hear. Right.
1: And there's moment and time to be truly honest, you know, maybe not when your partner is stressed out or having a really challenging day, being sick, you know, like there's, there's time and space. Yes.
0: So there's, there's, <laughs> there's caveats, right? Like the other person has to be able to uh, receive it in a healthy way and not turn it into a fight or an argument or whatever. Then there's, is it an appropriate time to actually say these things? And then it is, how do you say them? Do you say them in a loving and compassionate way? So when I say radical honesty, don't take that as an excuse to go over and point out all the shit that the other person does wrong. You know, I'm just, you did this and you're this and you're that. And the other person's like, oh my God, yeah, yeah well, I'm just being radically honest. No, that that's not what we're talking about here. So there there is a, a level of discernment. We could do a, literally an entire show on what does it mean to be radically honest and how do you do it? But <laughs> Uh, just know that that that's my personal feeling. Now, there's one more caveat I'll share on that quickly, which is this doesn't mean men that you can go and just dump all of the worries and thoughts and things that are going through your head on your woman. That's just not gonna work. Um, she's not gonna respect you if you do that. She's not gonna find it sexy or be attracted to you in any way. We've talked about this many times on the show. You know, if you need somebody to just dump your shit on, go find a friend, go have a beer, dump it all out over there so that you're not doing it all over your woman. Okay. I think that's enough for now on dishonesty and and communication. (laughs)
1: Let's move to sign number six. You have patterns of disrespect. That's an interesting one, you know, um, because it could be a bit subjective, like, oh, you disrespected me. But ultimately, again, it's about taking a good look at what the behavior that you are doing is. Um,
0: If people are radically honest with
1: themselves,
0: (laughs) they'll realize that some of their behaviors really are disrespectful. And you'll see it show up, like one of the ways I see it show up is one partner treats the other one like they're the child, like you get in this parent-child dynamic. And honestly, that's disrespectful to somebody who's a grown adult
1: or doing the silent treatment, or the screaming, you know, there's a lot of like behaviors about that. Number seven, you have negative financial behaviors within the relationship. That's a tricky one. We were talking about that the other day, because um, I've been in relationships where one was a spender, one was the um, saver, and it's really challenging. It's so much easier when both partners are Similar in the way that they deal with their finances. Yeah, we were
0: talking about maybe doing a show on that as well, because it is actually one of the top reasons why couples break up is financial differences. So, what that tells us is when you're getting into a relationship, you need that's one of the things you need to make sure that you have uh, alignment on, right? Is that, that you have similar ideas and beliefs and behaviors around finances.
1: Number eight, you experience constant stress.
0: That's not good. We've got enough constant stress in this world (laughs) all day long around
1: us. (laughs) (laughs) Number nine, you are ignoring your own needs in that relationship. And, you know, it can go both ways, by the way. Sometimes people always think, oh, it's the women. But I've seen it with many of my clients where... They have a relationship where she controls more of the relationship and he just gives in all the time and ignores what he wants and what he needs. Well,
0: you see this a lot when it comes to sex in relationships, mm-hmm. because let's be honest, the woman is the gateway to sex, right? And so, yeah, she, uh, she basically gets to say how it goes. And, you know, a lot of times nowadays he's afraid to speak up for what he wants and needs. And so he just ignores his own needs, yes. which then creates resentment. Uh, it's also a pattern of disrespect. <laughs> it's <laughs> but, also a controlling behavior. It's also a lack of support. Yes, it's all of those it's things. It's all
1: of this. So basically, <laughs> it is toxic. All right, number 10, there is a lack of self-care. And I think it's a little bit of a difference. I wanted to, to put these two because self-care is also about really valuing some time for yourself to replenish. And it looks different for a man than it is for a woman, what self-care is. Um, And your needs could fall in the self-care category, but they're not just in the self-care. And that's why they are separated.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a bit of a difference between those two.
1: Well, let's talk about number 11, because that one is a kind of funny one. You're hoping for change in your relationship.
0: Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, look, if something's not right, you can always hope for change to some extent. But if you find that you're always hoping for change and never getting any change, then this is potentially toxic, right? So you either have to find a way to create the change or you have to learn to accept things the way they are.
1: Yeah, but hoping and wishing is not going to do this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I was, I was laughing because... I was thinking about that, really, and I thought we could, if we could sum these 11 points uh, in terms of like signs that your relationship is is toxic, in short, you basically make each other miserable. <laughs> and that's it, you know, like...
0: But, but there could be low levels of misery that you're not even aware of, right? So like when you say the word miserable, you think, oh, well, I'm not miserable in my relationship, but t- stop... Take a step backwards and go, but are you really happy? Mm -hmm. Right? Because there can be these low levels of sort of day-to-day misery that where you're just like, yeah, it's it's not working for you.
1: Yeah. So there is one thing that fixes it all. The one thing. The one thing. The one thing. Kevin, will you do us the honor?
0: (laughs) Okay, so this can fix a lot of those things. This can prevent a lot of those things from happening because many of those things happen because you don't do this one thing. So if you did this one thing, (laughs) you probably will not experience most of those things that we just talked about. And that one thing is... Boundaries, Boundaries. setting appropriate boundaries, keeping appropriate boundaries and setting consequences if boundaries are not met. We will talk about all of that more later, but let's just talk sort of a little bit more generically first
1: because well, you might be like, boundaries. boundaries, oh, come on, Kevin and Celine, boundaries, we know that, well, I can tell you and guarantee you, we've seen oh, countless up. examples in relationships of those not working, whether it's a boundary with your child and your child is walking all over you, interrupting you on calls and uh, just not respecting you, whether it's your partner, whether it's, you know, like in the work, like there's a lot of different areas. You might be good at setting boundaries at work, but very bad at home.
0: You know, when you ask clients like, okay, well, do you set boundaries? They'll always say, well, of course I do, right? Okay, well, what boundaries have you set in the relationship? Uh. um, Well. um, uh, uh, Right. (laughs) They, They don't actually have a good answer for that. The other thing is, is if they do have an answer, they'll say, "Well, my boundary is if if he cheats, I'm out." Right? Like okay, yes, technically that's a boundary, but that's a way far out boundary, right?
1: It, and it's not a complete boundary. We will come no, back to that. If that's that, what you thought, you need to learn more. Healthy boundaries can be the difference between a healthy, happy relationship and a toxic, dysfunctional relationship. And most people have not learned how to 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 set those up properly.
0: People have such difficulty with boundaries and what they don't realize is that setting appropriate healthy boundaries will actually create a better relationship.
1: Yes. So let's just define boundary. So a boundary is basically a limit or space between you and the other person. It's a clear place where you begin and the other person ends. The purpose of setting a healthy boundary is, of course, to protect and take good care of you. And things like in work or in our personal relationships, poor boundaries lead to resentment, anger, and burnout. So one of the thing is, for most people, boundaries are the most difficult. I'm still working on boundaries, and we can talk at some point, uh, we'll have some examples of different boundaries. But I think what's important is to understand the reframe. So Kevin and I were having this discussion And something happened with a client of mine where um, there was a cancellation, a last-minute cancellation. And within our coaching agreement, we are very clear that we require a 48-hours cancellation notice. Without that, the session is being built for. And what's interesting is we have set the boundary. I was faced with... The, the situation where the, the, where the person w- didn't show up. And I started to feel upset and angry because I would have to enforce the boundary I put in place. <laughs> and I was like, darn, like, because then maybe the client's going to be uh, upset or I can't believe I have this. And Kevin was very clear on like saying like how much he loves boundaries And how we put all these agreements in place that we talked about with our clients before we start working together, because it's about accountability. It's about, it's teaching for everybody who is involved. And once I started to have this reframe, which Kevin's going to talk about since he loves boundaries so much, I started to enjoy the boundaries more. But it's very interesting because most of the time we are holding ourselves back because of fear for setting a boundary.
0: Yeah. So in this particular situation, you know, one of the things I was saying is like, look, the whole reason we put these types of uh, boundaries in place is so that when these situations do arise, it's easy. It's easy. The boundary is there. Boom. Here's what it is. Y'all read it. Y'all agreed to it. Y'all signed it. And mm-hmm. that's that. Now, you know, if anybody's listening to this and going, 48 hours, oh, that seems like a long time.
1: For non-emergency.
0: Right. For, well, <laughs> for non-emergency, but just... You know, when (laughs) I'm not going to go into a long explanation on this, but it is extremely difficult to run a business that that relies on scheduling sessions with people when they're constantly changing all the time. So if we don't put that boundary in place, it makes our life extremely difficult. And it affects not only the person who's canceling, but potentially everybody else that's scheduled that day or that week. Right. It makes things really, really difficult for us. So that's a boundary that we put in place to not only make our lives easier, but to make uh, the scheduling process smoother for all of our other clients. And so that's, you know, for us, that was the thing is like, look, that's got to be in place because we just need to make this easy. We don't want to be on a case by case basis, constantly having to negotiate this boundary. It just is what it is. It makes everybody's life easier. So the reframe is it doesn't matter how the other person interprets the boundary. You just do it anyway. (laughs) You're doing it really for yourself and, you know, you really don't care what anyone thinks. Now, that's maybe maybe sounds a little bit harsh. I don't care what he thinks, whatever, you know, but like I was just explaining in that situation, it literally makes everybody's life easier. Even the person that's potentially canceling uh, because they know up front what they need to do. They may not like it but they know up front what they need to do. There's no gray area about, can I do this? Can I not do this? Can I get away with it? So part of doing this process and part of this reframe is, is it's not your job to make the other person happy. And this is where a lot of people, especially in relationship, fall into the trap. And the trap is, ooh, I really want to set (laughs) a boundary here, but if I do that, he or she is not going to be happy with me. So maybe if I just cave in and let that boundary go, they'll be happy.
1: But what's interesting in your scenario is that if you do that, then you're not happy with yourself. Mm -hmm. And then because you're upset with yourself, unconsciously, hopefully, (laughs) you will want to make the other person pay for your own unhappiness because they made you this (laughs) you know pointing fingers at each other all the time not taking full responsibility it's it's a really vicious cycle it is tough to set a boundary because you have to stand firm in your grounds you have to be okay that the person is going to not like you for a few minutes ultimately they'll get over it because sometimes we're always like little children And yes, the first reaction is, I can't believe this person is enforcing a boundary. Well, they said there was no refund, but, you know, I should be the favorite person and they should still give me a refund. It's (laughs) like, well, but, you know, if there was no refund, there was no refund, right? Or they said this, or she said, if you're not there, I'm going to live without you. How come she left? It's like, well, she said, if you're not there at 6 p.m., I will be living, you know? (laughs) This is just how it is.
0: Yeah, so you know just the reframe really is is that boundaries are for your own good and they're actually for the good of all parties involved even if they don't necessarily like it in the moment they will always respect you for setting and keeping your boundaries even if they don't like it yes. they'll be pissed off about it and at the same time they'll be like Damn, she's good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. And especially for women towards the man, she will have more respect for him as well. Uh, It works really well for the polarity as well. You know, there are different types of boundaries and you might be good at certain ones and not others. Um, If we break it down, there's emotional boundaries, there's material boundaries, time and energy boundaries, mental boundaries, physical boundaries. So maybe it's easy for you to do like, Oh, physical, I can do that one. But emotional, it's really hard for me to set that one up. Or I don't know how to protect my time, but I'm okay with like protecting my money. (laughs) You know, like...
0: (laughs) And maybe we could just give a couple of quick examples of each one of these so people understand. I mean, so emotional boundaries. An emotional boundary might be something like, uh, you know, it's not okay for you to talk to me that way or... You know, or
1: I don't have the bandwidth right now to process it with you. Uh, can, can we talk about this later? Yeah, that's a
0: good one. That's a yeah, really good one. Just
1: because the person's upset and needs support doesn't mean that, and you, you know, it's your partner, doesn't mean that this is the time that you can do that
0: exactly material boundaries i mean those are pretty uh straightforward this it's is like,
1: my car i ain't taking it i <laughs> <well, laughs> just kidding
0: <laughs> or like you know you, in relationships it might be like hey here's how much money we can afford mm-hmm. to spend this month yes here's here's you know uh, where where we can what we can afford to spend on you know the kids or the house or the whatever it is mm-hmm. like the material boundaries are pretty easy Time and energy, though. This is one that people have a lot of difficulty with, especially those types of people who always trying to make people happy and they're running around like a chicken with their head cut off trying to <laughs> trying to please everybody in the family and make sure everybody's doing okay they got everything they need they're all happy nobody's gonna complain right
1: and at the end of the day they the one who are exhausted, exhausted and they've never been able to open a book to do a project for themselves they don't remember the last time they washed their hair or took a shower and, then,
0: and then they're resentful yes as as a, as a consequence of that so uh, mental boundaries ooh. This is an interesting one. So, you know, there there might be specific things that, um, well, I don't know, I don't really want to say that you don't want to talk about, but but there might be limits to where you go. Oh,
1: could there be maybe certain words that really trigger you and you don't want to have these words, you know? Would sure, that, that, that's would a possibility. That you know, especially in the bedroom, let's say you hate the word pussy and it's like, I don't want you to use the word pussy, but I love Kant or I love vagina, or I love this. You know, like, I mean, I'm just, you know, pointing some examples. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And then, of course, physical boundaries, well, those are pretty obvious, too. Like, <laughs> this I don't, is
1: my space. <laughs> well, this is
0: my space, or... I
1: don't want to be touched.
0: Or I don't want to be touched in this moment, or this is how I like to be touched. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, people don't realize that's a boundary as well. You know, saying, I want to be touched in this way is a nice positive way of saying don't touch me this other way <laughs> right so it is indeed a boundary of itself and if you want to talk about sex in the bedroom i mean telling somebody this is the kind of sex that i like this is how i want you to show up in the bedroom is absolutely a set of boundaries
1: yeah so we'll get more into some um we'll get into why people don't set their boundaries and then we'll get into some more, maybe a couple uh, example of what they look like, and we'll give you the what formula. Healthy
0: boundaries look like, and uh-huh. then we and have then our the first four step steps formula for how to create <laughs> healthy boundaries. So
1: stick with us, but. Before we get into that, we have a special invitation for you. So if you are in a relationship and you feel stuck, you are going through the daily motions, maybe your communication is not that great, maybe you don't know how to set boundaries, maybe it's in the bedroom, or you feel like your sex life is just lacking spontaneity, and you are ready to take it up a notch and no longer live a life of average, then Kevin and I would like to invite you to join us into our highly set, Power Couple Platinum Program. If you give us 90 days, we will help you bring the passion back between the sheets and be synced up sexually so that you can thrive with more purpose and passion in life. So go to seleneremi.com forward slash passion.
0: All right. So why people don't set boundaries? There's a (laughs) few common reasons why people tend uh, to not set boundaries. I like what you wrote here. Boundaries are not for the weak. That is true. That is true. You know, sometimes people think that if you're weak, it's important to set proper boundaries because that will protect you. And while it's always important whether you're weak or strong to set boundaries, the problem is if you're weak, you probably won't keep the boundaries. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to work real well for you if you can't keep them. So
1: And you have to be strong to enforce and stick with your boundary because it hurts. You're like, I'm not like... The person's not liking me right now, but I said this and I have to go through with this. (laughs) And it can be hard.
0: Yeah, well, and it it absolutely can be. It can be hard for anybody. And for some people, it's harder than others, you know.
1: I wonder if, um, I don't know, I wonder if it's harder for like women versus men or if it's personality and not gender, you know. I think it's
0: mostly personality. Yes. You know, like I'm the type of person, the the harder you push me, the harder I'm going to push back. So for me, it's like the harder you try to push against my boundary, the harder I'm going to shove that boundary in your face, Mm. right? So like, but that's just my personality. I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) In in a loving way, sometimes. (laughs) 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 Depends on who it is that's challenging my boundaries.
1: (laughs) So really, realistically, a lot of it is fear. Number one would be fear of what others think. You know, and this is a big one that holds us back. You know, oftentimes, like if I do f- go through with this boundary, they're going to think that I'm mean or whatever, you know, whatever. It, and it is a story. You don't want to be seen as such, but you're telling yourself a story and you got to let it go.
0: This reminds me of one of my favorite quotes. What other people think about you is none of your business. There you go. Right? Because seriously, who gives a fuck what other people think about you. They're probably got it completely wrong in their head anyway, and it makes no difference what they think.
1: Number two would be a fear of not being loved. And that's true that especially in relationship, and you see that too in the dynamic with parents child It's such a difficult one to find because a lot of parents want to be their children's best friend and they forget that they're not there to just be their best friends. Actually, that's not really the parent's role. The parent's role is to set boundaries and example with love. With love, okay. But is to create that structure. And if you think about it with boundaries, uh, there's always that study that comes up. They did this study where they took children and they put them into a playground. And they said, you can play anywhere you want. The playground was totally open. The children stayed within the center where they kind of in a group where they felt safe because that's where they were. Then they put the children in a similar playground that had a fence around it, a.k.a. a boundary. And they said, you can go anywhere within the confine of that playground of the the fence. And they felt freer to go anywhere and and play and and go further because there was a boundary.
0: They felt safer because they knew what the boundaries were. You know, I wanted to make a point, too, on, on what you said about how parents are not supposed to be their children's best friend. You can be your children's best friend when your children are now grown adults, when their children is not your job to be their best friend, because their best friend's not going to force them to do all the things that they have to do <laughs> that are for their own good that they won't do if somebody doesn't push them. I'm not saying, you know, don't be nice to them. (laughs) I'm just saying it's not your job to be their best friend. And furthermore, I don't even really think it's that healthy when uh, parents are their children's basically only like playtime partner. You know, like they need other kids to play with. You're the parent, you do the parenting adult stuff. Of course, you can play with them. That's part of the fun of being a parent. But you can't make it such that the child now is always relying on you to be the one to occupy them and, and play with them. Anyway.
1: Another fear of why people are afraid of setting boundaries is about having a strong desire to avoid conflict or fear of confrontation. Again, hence why boundaries are not for the weak.
0: <laughs> yeah, because people may challenge you.
1: I'm going to talk about the following one because it's a big one that I think... I do think that this one relates a lot to the, the woman, which is about, it's, it was a learned role in your childhood to be the peacekeeper. I can certainly relate to that. I was in my family, the person who would make other people happy, keep the peace. Um, And that's true that then you, you keep that on as you are an adult. And then you're like, well, in any situation, you're like, well, I'll just stick into that default mode. But the thing is, once you're an adult, if you're not the one standing up for yourself, nobody else is. And then your life is really going to suck if you don't stand up for yourself.
0: Yeah. Some people may say, well, what's wrong with being a peacekeeper? Well, the problem is, is that you will often have to bend boundaries in order to keep the peace. Yeah. Right. And that's where, that's where it becomes a problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the following one, which is where your sense of self-worth is tied in supporting others before yourself. And that really kind of comes into a difficulty receiving where it's it's a one-way thing where it's like, okay, I can only give, that's where I feel safe, I get to receive, or I'll just do like for others because that's how I feel worthy. (laughs) Um, And, you know, a lot of people have that, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. And again, you know, it's not, this one isn't necessarily bad, except for the fact that other people will take advantage of it.
1: That's the problem.
0: That's the problem is other people will just take advantage, take advantage, take advantage all day long. Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: And children are really good at that. (laughs)
0: Let's just be honest.
1: And then last but not least, you have not yet figured out your own boundaries. You haven't really taken the time. And that's what Kevin was mentioning when we're talking to our clients and we're like, okay, so what kind of boundaries do you have? Uh, And then they go like, well, uh, or how did you do it? And they say, oh, I did this or I said that. And you're like, "Mm, well, let's talk about that. And we'll do that right now where we're going to maybe give you a few examples or at least break it down a little bit about what does a healthy boundary look like
0: Mm-hmm. okay so first one on the list saying no without over explaining so if you have to overly explain and go into long details about why you have to do this you're trying to justify it meaning you're, you're not holding it firm you're not saying look here it is i can give you a reason why but i don't need to over explain and try to justify it
1: yeah sometimes a no is a full sentence
0: that is correct.
1: <laughs> and sometimes it's the hardest sentence to even learn. So practice it.
0: Unless you're two years
1: old. Yeah. That is <laughs> the most
0: frequently used word <laughs> in your vocabulary.
1: Channel your inner two years old. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Like, go throughout your day and challenge yourself. I'm going to say no three times today. And just know.
0: And that's part of you know this is like why they call it like the terrible twos, right? You know because they just they're just saying no constantly. Like we we have two friends whose uh, son is now that age, and that's why it made me think about it because they were just mentioning about how now all he says is either no or more, you know. <laughs> but that's the thing is, it's incredibly powerful. The reason why two year olds start using no so much is because they finally realize that they have the power. To use it. And it's like, whoa, holy cow, this is an amazing power I've never <laughs> had before. You mean I can actually say no? <laughs> I'm going to exercise this.
1: <laughs> okay, another way that a healthy boundary looks like is to speak up for what you need. And this is can be really challenging. And just because you speak up for what you need doesn't mean that you're going to get it. You make requests, you don't make demands. And same with a boundary, you know, like it's not like people sometimes think too harshly of them while well, they are in place and there's a boundary and the consequence, like it doesn't have to be done in a, in a mean way. And speaking up for what you need is so important. We're like, hey, you know, right now I really need some downtime and peace and quiet. And your partner might be like, oh, <laughs> well, I was ready to party and crank up the music. And it's like, okay. Or,
0: or maybe they even wanted downtime and peace and quiet, but you can't both do it because there's stuff that has to get done and somebody's got to do it.
1: And so that's when you can get into some communication uh, and be like, hey, can I get 20 minutes to myself? How would that be? Or, you know, like things like that. And that's These requests, this communication really helps.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. Next one on the list. Not offering to fix other people's problems. (laughs) Remember, everybody else's problems are not necessarily your problems. And sometimes you need to draw a healthy boundary and say, look, I don't have the energy. I don't have the bandwidth, the mental capacity, the emotional capacity to deal with your problem right now. And that's okay.
1: Yes. Yes. Another boundary would be how much time, how much energy or money you give. Ooh.
0: Yeah, so, you know, the the money one... People are generally better at the money boundary. They're like, no, I'm not giving you that extra money. <laughs> well,
1: because their bank account really has a hard limit. Right. And they see it, but they don't see the same with their energy, which is like their bank account. There is a hard limit. but the,
0: there There is, but it, <laughs> people don't generally see it that way, mm-hmm. right? And so that's why the time and energy boundary is a really, really important one. You have to take care of yourself. One of the things that we say all the time is you can't actually take care of anybody else. You can't actually be useful or helpful to anybody else if you're completely burnt out.
1: Yeah. Privacy needs are huge. And I think like a lot of people tend to forget about those in relationship. Um, they're thinking like, oh, yeah, we're married. We, I don't know. We don't have to close the door anymore. <laughs> Even when we go to the bathroom, we share everything. It's like, you know. Like there could be some good times to have some privacy and and voice that, you know. (laughs) I love you, but I don't need to know what you're doing in the bathroom every morning. (laughs) Please keep the door closed. And if you don't, I will come and close the door.
0: Yeah. Privacy. There's nothing wrong with privacy. You know, people in relationship get a little concerned about this one, but that's usually just because they don't 100% trust their partner. Mm. If you have trust in your relationship, which is important to any healthy relationship, then you can give people all the privacy they need for whatever reason they need, and you don't even need to know why. It's perfectly fine. So if you find yourself not wanting to allow them private time, then look at where your jealousy and trust issues are.
1: Ooh, big one, Kevin. And then the another healthy boundary is around the amount of physical space you need. And you know... It's, it could be a tough one in a relationship, especially when it comes to the sexuality part. Because, um, as Kevin was saying, the woman is, is the gatekeeper. What if it's just like, well, I need this. And there's situations like that. We've had clients like this, where it's like, in order to make love, I need to have the light turned off. The house needs to be cleaned. Uh, the children have to be asleep. The moon has to be full. And... <laughs> My hair has to be washed. It it
0: has to be a super blood moon.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this you're getting into controlling. is not really a boundary anymore. Like you're basically having control issues and you don't know how to let go. And you're trying to protect yourself uh, from really letting go by controlling the situation.
0: Yeah, but again, a boundary could be, hey, I need X amount of time and space by myself to do whatever I need to do that's perfectly fine. This is, you know, why men create man caves and why women nowadays are creating she sheds, right? (laughs) They need a little physical space and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. So that then takes us to how do you create these boundaries, right? So we have our four steps to creating healthy boundaries.
1: Just four steps to remember. Number one, define, identify, your desired boundary, what is it that you want?
0: This sounds really simple, but for some people, it's really fucking hard. Some people really don't understand what a healthy boundary is, which is why we gave you some examples of what healthy boundaries are. They're like, well, my therapist says I'm supposed to set boundaries, but um, I don't really know what boundaries to set.
1: Start with something small. Um, If you're working from home, it's an easy one in terms of how much time do you need to be left alone to accomplish your work. Set a boundary around that. Or if you're not working from home, but when you get home, you need some downtime before you jump into family life and children and taking care of everything. Set a boundary that you need a 20 minutes downtime just to decompress before you can give back to your family. Something like that.
0: All right. Number two, communicate, say what you need and why it's important. So having a boundary does you zero good if you don't communicate it to the people (laughs) that need to respect the boundary. So you have to communicate it. And it really does help if you say, here's my need, here's my boundary, and here's why.
1: Yeah, because the person then has understanding and empathy because sometimes you're like this is a weird request like why would you want that and then you're like oh because of that oh yeah I I can understand I'm willing to help with that which leads to step number three stay simple and be clear don't over explain or justify and just like get into super lengthy things the clearer concise and direct you can be the better
0: yeah. In fact, if your boundary isn't clear, concise, and direct, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. It's going to be too complicated. People aren't going to understand it. There's going to be way too much wiggle, wiggle room for one person to say, oh, I did keep the boundary. And they're like, no, you didn't because you did this. Well, I didn't know that was part of that, right? Like it starts to get fuzzy and all that. So really you, you have to keep it simple and clear. And here's the thing. You can have more than one boundary. You don't have to try to pack everything into, this is my boundary, and then tack like, you know, this this isn't a bill in Congress where at the last second you get to attach a whole bunch of unrelated stuff in there just so you can slide it in. No, it doesn't work that way. One subject per boundary, keep it simple, and you can have as many boundaries as you want.
1: And that leads us to step number four, which is the most important, and which is the one that most people just forget to do and it's not complete you don't have a boundary without step number four
0: (laughs) okay which is set consequences what happens if the boundary is crossed this is where parents fail (laughs) left and right they set boundaries constantly they don't keep the boundaries and then basically they just teach the children that there's no consequences when mom or dad sets a boundary so therefore i don't have to pay any attention to the boundaries the same thing happens with adults, by the way. If you don't set consequences, adults will learn very quickly. I don't have to pay attention to that because why would I? There's no consequences for not paying attention to it.
1: Yeah. And the consequence, you know, that's just, if you're working with a child, you can have them set the consequence. You'll be surprised. At sometimes they're harsher than you would have been when you let them decide what the consequence should be. Should the boundary be crossed? if you're with an adult, (laughs) you can set it up and then you could communicate as well, but, uh, or you could have the partner, like, it's not always like my way and that's the only way, but like, let's, let's talk about the consequence. And like, I want to come back to the example you give at the beginning. If this doesn't happen by this time, I'm out. Or if you do this, I'm out. That's not a clear boundary. And it's just too much. You know, it's like, if this happens, then, okay, like, um, you know i mean if it's an, if it's definitely a in the deal breaker this is a deal breaker
0: what i think what you're trying to say and correct me if i'm wrong is that the consequence has to be appropriate yes right it has to be appropriate in scale to the boundary
1: <laughs> that's true
0: right so you can't just go flying off the handle and be like, that's it i'm leaving i'm packing up we're getting a divorce you know like <laughs> like that's not necessarily reasonable and the other thing is is the, the consequence doesn't have to be punitive, right? It doesn't have to be some sort of penalty where now they owe you a fine or you know, <laughs> this, this is the nonsense way that government works for stupid things that are victimless crimes, right? So really you can simply say, look, my boundary is that I need uh, you know, 20 minutes a day to just be in my little cave and decompress. The consequence isn't like, well, if I don't get it, then I'm not cooking you dinner. Like, <laughs> I mean, that could be a boundary, but it doesn't have to be that. That's more of like that sort of punitive, I'm going to punish you, you know, because you didn't keep my boundary. But but the boundary might be, or the consequence might be, look, if I don't get that time, then I'm going to be too burnt out to connect with you or to make love with you or, you know... You want me to be always happy in a loving mood, but I can't be that way if I don't get some downtime, right? So then the consequence becomes, do you want the happy, loving, relaxed me to show up in this relationship? Or do you want the cranky bitchy me to show up in the relationship, right? And that's a a consequence too. It doesn't have to be punitive. You're not taking something away from the person or punishing them like a child, but you're letting them know that the consequence is, if I don't get this time... I'm not going to be able to show up in the relationship the way that you would really want me to, or the way that I even want to.
1: It's a beautiful reframe. It's a beautiful reframe to to be in touch with yourself, to speak for what you want and need, and not just be in that punisher, victim dynamic within the relationship. And that can then help you step back and start becoming a team and be like, let's talk about our needs. Let's talk about what what really matters to us, to our heart, and let's together find win-win-wins. Yeah,
0: win-win-wins.
1: Our favorites.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, so there you go. That is a whole episode on boundaries, if you are struggling in any way with boundaries, and so, so many people are because we see it every day in our work then please, please, please go back and listen to this. Write some notes down. Practice, practice, practice. I guarantee you, you will see an improvement in every relationship in your life, whether it's with your kids, with your significant other, with your boss, with your coworkers, with your friends. You will absolutely see all of those relationships improve if you can really master boundaries. All right, everybody, that's all we have for this episode, and we will see you next week.